The Guardian. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk slash audible for further details. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Luciana Berger. Question number one, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This morning I had. uh... Thank you very much. At least they don't have to do it in French. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. This afternoon I'll be travelling to Brussels for further talks about the Eurozone. Luciana Persia. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Yesterday it was reported that the Prime Minister compared the families of those who died at Hillsborough to a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat that isn't there and complained that he wasn't getting enough credit for the release of all the government documents relating to the tragedy. Will the Prime Minister take this opportunity to apologise to the relatives and friends of the 96 Hillsborough victims for these grossly offensive comments? What I would say to all the victims and their families is that it's this government that has done the right thing by opening up the Cabinet papers and helping to try and help, help those people to find the closure that they seek. Bernard Jenkin. Mr Speaker, in view of the fact that Chancellor Merkel has now called formally on the Commission to produce treaty texts to amend the European treaties, will my right honourable friend agree with the following statements, that the accumulated burden of policies, competences and tasks and budgets in the European Union has become too great, locating ill-justified powers at EU level can undermine democratic accountability, and that the time has therefore come to identify those areas in which EU action is neither logical, justifiable or workable. Does he share my surprise that these are words uttered by the Deputy Prime Minister more than ten years ago? Um, no, I've, uh, I've read the same pamphlet too, and it's very good and sound common sense. We don't know exactly when treaty change will be proposed, how great that treaty change will be, but I'm absolutely clear, and the coalition is clear, there will be opportunities to advance our national interests. That is what we should be focused on. In Miliband! Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, at today's... Mr Speaker, at today's European summit, does the Prime Minister agree with me that we need not just for Greece and Italy to sort out their problems and the proper recapitalisation of Europe's banks, but also an agenda to help Europe and indeed Britain to grow? What is absolutely necessary this evening is to deal with the key elements of the Eurozone crisis, which is acting as a drag anchor on recoveries in many other countries, including our own. The key elements of that are decisive action to deal with the Greek uh, situation, a proper recapitalisation of the banks, which hasn't happened uh, across Europe up to now, and the stress tests carried out haven't had credibility. But above all, the most important thing is the construction of this firewall, of this European fund, to prevent contagion taking place 
space elsewhere. He's absolutely right that a wider growth strategy across Europe is required. That's what was debated on Sunday, and that is where the Commission proposals, in terms of completing the services directive, completing the single market, liberalising energy policy, cutting regulation, all of those proposals could have been written right here in London. Ed Miliband. Mr Speaker, the point I would emphasise to him is that those are long-term measures, but we also need immediate action for growth, and that needs to happen not just at European meetings but at the G20 next week. Now, Mr Speaker, we know his real focus hasn't been, unfortunately, on sorting out the Eurozone crisis. It's been sorting out the problems on his own side. Now, now he said on Monday that his priority is to repatriate powers from Europe. Which powers and when? One serious question, then straight on to the politics. How absolutely typical. Let me... Let me just make this point. When it comes to the meeting this evening about the future of Europe, can I just say to him, the idea you could go into that meeting arguing Britain should add an extra £100 billion to its deficit is a complete and utter joke. Right. In terms of our relationship with Europe, let me answer the question very directly. The coalition agreement... The coalition agreement does talk about rebalancing power between Britain and Europe. This coalition has already achieved bringing back one power, the bailout power that his government gave away. Mr Speaker, he said in this House on Monday, I remain firmly committed to bringing back more powers from Brussels. But yesterday, the Deputy Prime Minister, when asked about his plan, said, and I quote, It won't work. It will be condemned to failure. So one day we have the Prime Minister saying yes to repatriation and 24 hours later the Deputy Prime Minister says no. Mr Speaker, on this crucial question, who speaks for the government? What the Deputy Prime Minister said yesterday, and let me quote, there's a perfectly good case to rebalance the responsibilities between the European Union and its member states. Right. What a contrast, what a contrast with what the leader of the Labour Party said. He was asked this question. John Sopel, let me ask this single question. Yes or no answer. Has Brussels got too much power? Miliband, I don't think it's got too much power. Speaker, it's very plain. There is a group of people on this side of the House who want some rebalancing, a group of people who want a lot of rebalancing, and a complete mug who wants no rebalancing at all. Mr Speaker, why doesn't he come clean about the split between himself and the Deputy Prime Minister? This is what, this is what the Deputy Prime Minister was asked. Is David Cameron wrong to promise at some point the idea of another treaty that might bring powers back? And he said this, this government, of which I'm a deputy prime minister, is not going to launch some sort of dawn raid, some smash and grab raid on Brussels. It won't work. It will be condemned to failure. So, Mr Speaker, which is it? Who speaks for the government? It's no wonder his backbenchers are saying there isn't clarity about the government's position. And the secretary of the 1922 committee said the government's position is politically unsustainable. Is it his position to get out of the social chapter? Is it his position to get out of the social chapter? Yes or no? It is this coalition that's worked together to get us out of the bailout fund. Yeah. To get us out of the 
Greek bailout to deliver this year a freeze in the European budget. That's what this coalition is achieved. The split that we have is between the right honourable gentleman and reality. That is the split that we have. And we had the greatest proof of that. I, I, I talked to the House about this on Monday, but it's, it's so good I've got to do it again. When he, was, when he was asked if he wanted to join the, the Euro, he said, it depends how long I'm Prime Minister for. That's the split. The Labour Party and reality. Mr. Ed Miliband. Mr. Speaker, he will be going to the he will be going to the council in December to negotiate on behalf of Britain, and treaty change may be on the agenda. I ask him the question again. His, his education secretary, his education secretary, said said on the radio yesterday morning. I think we should take back powers over employment law. But his Deputy Prime Minister disagrees. What's the Prime Minister's position? I tell you, I tell you what would be on the agenda if he was going to the meeting in Brussels tonight. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be discussing Italy. We wouldn't be discussing Greece. It would be Britain handing out the begging bowl asking for a bailout. We know the honourable gentleman now wants to join the Euro. The other thing that they want to do is to leave the IMF. They had the opportunity in this Parliament to vote for an increase in IMF funds, which was agreed at the London Council by their own government. They rejected that. So we now have the extraordinary situation where they want to join the Euro and leave the IMF. It's not France they want to be like, it's Monaco. Mr Speaker, it's no wonder he had a problem on Monday, because the truth is he led his backbenchers on, making a promise he knows he can't keep and is ruled out by the coalition agreement. We've got a Prime Minister who can't speak for his government. And on the day of the, of the, Euro, Mr. Speaker, on the, day of the Eurozone crisis, we have a Prime Minister who has spent the last week pleading with his backbenchers, not leading for Britain in Europe. I might have had a problem on Monday. I think he's got a problem on Wednesday. <laughs> the truth is, Mr Speaker, if he went to that meeting tonight, his message to Berlusconi would be ignore the markets, just carry on spending. His message to the rest of Europe would be that they think, Labour think, you spend another £100 billion adding to our deficit. After they'd finished laughing, there'd be no time for the rest of the meeting. Sir Peter Tapsell. Members should calm down and listen to Sir Peter Tapsell. Yes. de Zale was Talleyrand's advice to leaders of the opposition, which meant that he thought that they should not exist in a permanent state of hysteria. Um, as ever, nothing but wisdom from my right honourable friend. Angela Smith. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Prime Minister tell us whether any more projects have been awarded investment by the Regional Growth Fund, or does Sir Tally still stand at just two businesses helped by his flagship policy? Uh, I'm afraid to say she is completely wrong. There are around 40 projects that have received, that, that actually that have been greenlit for funding, uh, and this is completely on schedule. 50 bids were successful in round one, receiving conditional allocation of £450 million to deliver 27,000 new or safeguarded jobs, up to 100,000 jobs in supply chains. Instead of carping, she should be welcoming that. Yeah. Mark Paul 
Pawsey. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My constituency of rugby was recently pleased to welcome Mary Portis as part of her review into Britain's high streets. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that rugby's positive approach to new housing, which will create new customers for the high street, is an effective way of supporting town centres? Well, I'm delighted that Mary Portis has made it to rugby, and I agree with what my honourable friend said. We do need to build more houses in our country. We do need to reform the planning system, but we want to do it in a way that gives more control to local people so we can actually make sure that we have thriving high streets in the future. Sandra Osborne. Mr Speaker, the whole town of Cumnock in my constituency is in a state of shock following the murder last weekend, very brutal murder of a local man, Stuart Walker, a very popular local man. Will the Prime Minister join me in sending condolences to Stuart's family? And amidst much unhelpful speculation about the motivation for this murder, will he join me in calling on local people who have any information to go forward to the police to help them with their inquiries? I certainly join the Honourable Lady in sending condolences to her constituents' family, and what she says is absolutely right. Uh, It was once said that the police are the public and the public are the police. The police cannot solve crimes without the help of the public, and I hope everyone will cooperate in the best way they can. Mr Gavin Barwell. My 14-year-old constituent, Lillian Groves, was killed outside her home by a driver under the influence of drugs. He was sentenced to just eight months in jail and was released after four months. Will the Prime Minister agree to meet with Lillian's family to hear their case for Lillian's law, a package of measures to ensure that in future we take the menace of drug driving as seriously as we currently do drink driving? I think my honourable friend speaks for the whole House when he says we really have got to make sure we start treating drug driving as seriously as drink driving. This is an issue that has been raised repeatedly, but not enough has been done. Uh, One of the things that we are doing is actually making sure the police are able to test for, for drug driving and making that drug testing equipment available. As we test that and make sure that it works properly, I think we can look at um, strengthening things still further, and I'm very happy to do as he says. John McDonnell. It was reported over a week ago that Bank of England had reprimanded one commercial bank, and there may be others, who tried to manipulate the gilts market to exploit quantitative easing. Could the Prime Minister ask for a report on this matter? And if it is true that we explain to the bankers that we will use the full force of law against them if they try to rip off the tax I think it's very important to send a message to all people in financial services that there isn't something called white-collar crime that is less serious than other crime. Crime is crime and should be investigated and prosecuted with the full force of the law. Mr Duncan Hames. Mr Speaker, proposals before this House next week will see cuts to legal aid funding for advice services, which in the case of Wiltshire's CAB... Which in the case of Wiltshire's CAB amount to £250,000 a year. I welcome the £20 million stopgap the Government has found to replace this funding next year. But will the Prime Minister ensure that the Government puts in place lasting funding arrangements to sustain these services on which so many people rely? My honourable friend makes an important point, and it's no good uh, people shouting down. Every party in this House has accepted the need to reform legal aid. The figures are... Yes, you say no, you haven't. You have accepted it, because the figures are very clear. We spend £39 per head in this country on legal aid, compared with £18 per head in New Zealand with a similar legal system. In Spain and France, the spending is as low as £5 per head. As my honourable friend said, we are putting in the £20 million additional funding for not-for-profit organisations. We've also, I think, rightly 
praised the local councils that have gone on funding Citizens Advice Bureau. And I'll certainly look at what he says because this is a very important organisation that does vital work for all our constituents. Paul Blumfield. Speaker, I'm sure the Prime Minister will join with me in congratulating Sheffield University's Advanced Manufacturing Research Centre, which celebrated its 10th anniversary yesterday and today with a series of events at Westminster organised in partnership with Boeing and Rolls-Royce. But will he also join with me and with the Business Select Committee in endorsing the aim of growing our manufacturing GDP from its current 12.5% to nearer the 20% enjoyed by most of our competitors? And will he commit the government to work with... That's enough. Got the drift. Okay. Prime Minister. Very much with what the Honourable Gentleman said. Uh, I'm pleased to know that the Deputy Prime Minister actually hosted Sheffield University at Number 10 Downing Street to celebrate uh, their success. I think we are seeing some positive signs of rebalancing in our economy. Uh, recently, I was at the big investment BP are making in the North Sea, the opening of the new Airbus factory at Broughton in Wales. If you look across our auto industry, whether it is Nissan or Toyota or Jaguar Land, Jaguar Land Rover, all these companies are expanding and bringing more of their production and supply chain onshore. There's a huge amount more to do, but we have to accept we start from a low base as sadly manufacturing production declined so much over the last decade. Karen Lumley. Yeah. Yeah. Would the Prime Minister join with me in welcoming nearly £1 million that has been received in Redditch with a pupil premium? And would he persuade the Secretary of State for Education to push with a national funding formula as soon as possible? Discussions about a national funding formula are ongoing. It is a difficult issue to resolve because of the historic patterns of differences of funding around the country. I do think the pupil premium is a major step forward. It's going to be up to £2.6 billion by the end of this Parliament. In that IFS report, it actually says we have made spending on education much more progressive by the action that we've taken. We've taken difficult decisions, but at the heart of it was a decision to protect the school's budget and per-pupil funding, and on top of that, to add the pupil pupil premium to make sure that we're looking after the less well-off in our country. Gloria de Piero. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last month, a leaked Downing Street report said, and I quote, we know from a range of polls that women are significantly more negative about the government than men. Why does the Prime Minister think this is? are making difficult spending decisions and when you have a difficult economic situation and household budgets are under huge pressure from things like petrol prices and food prices and inflation, clearly that impacts women and the government wants to do everything it can to help women. That is why we've listed a million people out of tax, the majority of whom are women. That's why we're putting much more money and time into the free nursery education for two-year-olds, three-year-olds and four-year-olds. That's why for the first time we've agreed that women working less Less than 16 hours a week will get childcare. And we don't just care about this issue at home. Because of what we're doing in international aid, we're going to be saving over 50,000 women in childbirth around the world. Nadine Dorries. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, The IPC have made one decision, which is to uh, grant a planning commission for the American waste uh, giant company, Cabanta, for 650,000 tonnes incinerator in mid-Bedfordshire. Thousands of people in Bedfordshire responded to the consultation process saying they do not want this. In the small print of the decision, it says that this decision is subject to special parliamentary procedure. Will the Prime Minister please let the people of Bedfordshire know that this government is not like the previous government, that we listen to local concerns 
and that we will ensure that this monstrous, rubbish guzzling, atmosphere polluting incinerator will not be imposed upon the people of Bedfordshire. My old friend makes an important point. There are difficult planning decisions that have to be made, but what this government has done is actually made sure that the planning system is more democratic and does report into Parliament and ministers have to take decisions and be accountable. I can't speak for how those ministers have to make those decisions. They have to make them in their own way, but we've ended the idea of the vast quango with absolutely no accountability, as she rightly says. So Geoffrey Donaldson, the Prime Minister has warned African countries that unless they uh, improve gay rights, he will cut their aid. Yet in many African countries where we pour in millions of pounds of aid, Christians face great persecution, destruction of churches, lives and property. Here in the UK, if you display a Bible verse on the wall of a cafe, you face prosecution. Was Anne Whittacombe right when she said that in the 21st century, hedgehogs have more rights than Christians? Anne Whittacombe is often right, not always right, but uh, often right. I do think the Honourable Gentleman makes an important point, and the way we judge our aid decisions is to look at human rights across the piece, and that does mean how people are treating Christians, and also the appalling behaviour that some African countries treat to people who are gay. Stephen Lloyd. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In Eastbourne, uh, uh, we recruited recently 181 apprentices in 100 days. My local training provider, Sussex Downs, tells me that 91% of their hospitality apprentices go into full-time jobs. Would the Prime Minister agree with me that apprentices work, and in Eastbourne they work particularly well? I'm happy to agree with my honourable friend about this. We did find funding for an extra 50,000 apprenticeships last year and actually achieved almost, I think, double that because of the enthusiasm there is amongst the business community and amongst young people to take on these apprentices. We're now running at about 360,000 a year and hope to achieve about a quarter of a million more apprentices than were planned under the last government. I think it's a really important development in our country. We want to make sure that the apprenticeship schemes are really aimed at young people who need work and also aimed at the higher level, people going on to get degree equivalent qualifications. So it's not seen as a second best. For many people, it's the right career path. And there are companies in Britain like Rolls-Royce where many of the people on the board started with an apprenticeship. David Hanson. Uh, On reflection, is now the right time for the Prime Minister to scrap Labour's indeterminate sentences for public protection? as the Justice Secretary wants to do, introduced to save dangerous violent criminals from damaging British public. Uh, Will he accept from me that it should be not about police uh, prison places, but should be about the protection of the public? Well, my right hon. Friend will be making an announcement about this shortly, but I think what he will find is actually we're going to be replacing a failed system that doesn't work, the public don't understand, with tough, determinant sentences. People have always wanted to know that when you get sent to prison for a serious offence, you don't, as currently, get let out halfway through. We'll be putting an end to that scandal, and I expect it to have widespread support. Mary MacLeod. Thank you, Mr Speaker. If women were to start businesses at the same rate as men, we would have 150,000 more businesses per year in this country. And I have some exceptional entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs in my constituency, such as Kath Kidston. What can my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, do to encourage more female entrepreneurs to create growth and jobs for the country? I think there are a lot of things that government can do. And in the last budget, there were a series of steps like the uh, enterprise finance schemes that we've established, like the changes to capital gains tax. But I think the biggest change is a change in culture of actually encouraging people to take that first step and supporting them along the way as they go. Alison McGovern. 
Mr Speaker, last week this House, to its great credit, supported unanimously full transparency from Government of all documents relating to the Hillsborough disaster. Will he now join me in calling on the South Yorkshire Police to follow the example of the Honourable Member for Sheffield South East and commit to the exact same openness and ensure the Hillsborough Independent Panel have unredacted access to all papers? I will certainly look at the issue that she raises. I'm not fully aware of the situation with regards to the the police papers, so I don't want to give her a a flip answer across the dispatch box. I think the government has done what it should in terms of uh, the cabinet papers, but I'm very happy to look at the point that she she raises and come back to her. Mr Edward Timpson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would my uh, right honourable friend uh, join me in praising all those adopters and foster carers in Crewe and Antwich and elsewhere for the fantastic work that they do to encourage others to come forward to foster and adopt and to recognise during National Care Leavers Week we can do much more to provide care leavers with the sustained and endurable support that they often need and always deserve. I completely agree with my honourable friend, and he speaks from great experiences. His own parents, I think, actually helped to foster around 90 children uh, over the last few decades, and I think it's a magnificent example. As I said in my party conference speech, I think we really need to attack every aspect of this issue. It is a national scandal that there are 3,660 children in the care system under the age of one, although last year I think there were only 60 adoptions of of those children. We've got to do a lot better. Part of it's about bureaucracy. Part of it is about culture, but a lot of it is about encouraging good foster parents and adoptive parents to come forward and give them security in the knowledge that actually the process won't be as bad as it is is now. So thoroughgoing reform is required. My honourable friend, the Children's Minister, is leading this work, and I'm confident we can make some real breakthroughs in this area. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, on the 11th of August, the Prime Minister told this House that there would be a report to Parliament on cross-government activity relating to gangs. Where is that report? When will we see it? We are working intensively right across Whitehall on the gang issue because I think in the past, frankly, this was something that was dealt with in the Home Office, but there wasn't the same input from other departments. So we're doing exactly that, and when we're ready for a report to Parliament, we'll make it. Harriet Baldwin. In the private sector, I benefited from statutory maternity leave. Can the Prime Minister remind the House of how this government is making work more flexible and more family friendly? How, how typical of the party opposite, if someone talks about the private sector or job creation, all they've got is a lack of respect and sneering. I mean, it's just absolutely typical. My honourable friend speaks from great experience. We do want to be a family-friendly government. That's why we're putting the extra hours and help into nursery education, into the uh, child tax credits, increasing it by £290 for the least well-off families, and we'll also be introducing proper um, help for in terms of flexible parenting. Karen Buck. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Westminster Police Command are now being required to lose 240 police community support officers, slashed by two-thirds the number of PCSOs doing security and counter-terrorism work, and further require every single police community support officer in the borough to reapply for their own jobs. What message does the Prime Minister think this sends out to the public who want to see visible patrol-based policing on their streets? What I make to the Honourable Lady, we're asking the Metropolitan Police Authority to find a cash reduction 
over the next four years of 6.2%. Now, we face an enormous deficit in this country because of what we inherited from the party opposite. We do have to make difficult decisions, and frankly, I don't think it is impossible to find a 6.2% cash reduction while keeping good frontline policing at the same time. And I'm very confident that my good friend Boris Johnson will do exactly that. Mr Andrew Bridgen. Speaker, is the Prime Minister as enthusiastic as I am for the localism bill and the prospects of it delivering real growth and empowering local communities? But does he agree with me? The best way to tackle political disengagement is through local accountability. I think my honourable friend makes a very good point. We all know that we are not building enough in this country in terms of houses for our young people or houses to end the scandal of overcrowding or the amount of people on housing waiting lists. The best way to get that to happen is to make sure that local people really feel they have a say and control over development in their own area. That's the way to square the circle. The the top-down targets under the last government didn't work. The localist approach will work. Jamie Reid. Of the opposition, the Prime Minister pledged to fight bare-knuckled against hospital closures. Yeah. Will he give a guarantee to the House today that for as long as he's Prime Minister, there'll be no hospital closures on his watch? The pledge I can make to the Honourable Gentleman is the one I gave when I visited his constituency, which is that we're expanding and funding the expansion of his hospital. Speaker. Um, Can I congratulate the Prime Minister and thank him for all the work in the Department of Education are doing regarding free schools and can he please give encouragement to the two sets of parent groups who are looking to build two free schools, a junior and a secondary one, in South Derbyshire? I can certainly give the Honourable Lady that encouragement. I think the free schools policy is a great success as we see a number of really high quality schools coming across in our country. And it is depressing to see the attitude of the opposition towards this policy. What we had was a new education secretary who in the first flushes of the job said he'd shadow education secretary said that he would support free schools, but as soon as Unite picked up the phone to him, he had to drop that altogether. And you want to know you want to know what their policy is now, Mr Speaker? What he said was this. What I said is that we oppose the policy, but some of them are going to be really, really good schools. <laughs> run by really good people. And we mustn't put ourselves in a position as a Labour Party of opposing these schools. So they oppose the policy, but they support the schools. What a complete bunch of hypocrites. why his Secretary of State for Health was able to make concessions to the Liberal Democrats and the Health Bill in the other place last night, but was unable to recognise the need for these changes when it was debated here. Isn't this more about doing political deals instead of doing what's right for our NHS? Well, we are doing what's right for our NHS, and that's why average waiting times for inpatients are down, average waiting times for outpatients are down, hospital infections are at their lowest level ever, We've got mixed-sex wards down 91% under this government. The number of managers is down. The number of doctors is up. If she wants to see further improvements to the health bill, there'll be plenty of opportunities. To Tom Brake. Two-thirds of the young people involved in the, in the riots uh, had a special educational need. Uh, does the Prime Minister agree that this underlines the need for complex solutions which tackle educational underachievement, rehabilitation as well as punishment? Yeah. Yeah. 
But of course, as I've said many times at this dispatch box, we have to look behind the statistics and what happened and ask ourselves how we've allowed so much to go wrong in our society. And clearly, education and special education needs play a role in that. But I do think it's important, and the public want to see, Wonderful. swift justice and punishment handed out when people break the law. We did see that at the time of the riots, and I think we should see it all of the time. Order. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk audible for further details.